can you give me a one word or one phrase review of tapeworm apple juice? How would you describe the taste and the experience? The best apple juice I've ever drunk in my life. I think it's just lovely. It's mixed apples, I think. It's, it's, a, mixed it's a mixture apples. of apple varieties, yep, local apple varieties. Yep, basically just from people's gardens. Hello, my name is Kashka and welcome to Plant Voices podcast from Tapewood Community Garden where we tell local stories about gardening, food, nature and climate change. We're sitting in Will's Kitchen, which is the site of a very exciting activity over the autumn period every year for how many years now? Full flow, three years, but even before that we were doing it, so possibly another two years before that, something like that. About five years. About five years. So this is all about apple juicing and tapeworm, but actually let's uh, step back a bit and I would like you to introduce yourself. My name's Will Whitfield and I've been living in tapeworm since... 1990. I'm a scientist. I used to teach genetics at uh, University of Dundee, but I've uh, I've taken early retirement, and since then I've uh, been involving myself uh, with Tapeworm Community Trust and with Plant. I found the process fascinating. I've always liked the idea of, of uh, being able to juice apples. Um, okay. On the grounds that when I was much younger, I used to try and make wine. And of course, we never had access to an apple press. And in those circumstances, you have to do things like ferment on the pulp, which is a very messy process. Uh-huh. So being able to make um, apple juice uh, is refreshments uh, arrived. quite encouraging. Let's see if I can um, pour you some tea. So have you actually tried making any wine? I've made a bit of cider from the pressed apple juice. I haven't made any apple wine. To be honest, my my wine-making exploits were always a bit disappointing. I'm a very enthusiastic beer maker. Um, You've won prizes. I have won prizes for my beers. I don't think I would win prizes for my cider, and I'm absolutely certain I wouldn't win prizes for my apple wine. So uh, Maybe because you're not as enthusiastic as a consumer of uh, such beverages. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So I was hoping we'd have an example of a three-litre apple juice container or... Oh, one of these beverage pouches. Yes, well, I can go and get one if that would be useful. There we are. So there you go. That's uh, three litres of uh, lovely... Pasteurised apple juice. It says Tapeworm apple juice and it says made from fruit grown in the gardens of Tapeworm. And it keeps for six months. And it's Mm -hmm. got a nice little tap that you can just release to, you know, get your juice out. It's like a wine box without the box. Right. So that's the final product. What's the actual process to get Ah, here? Ah, right. Well, the process for making pasteurised juice begins with picking the apples. We're very lucky because there are quite a large number of people who have gardens in Tayport with apple trees and they've generously donate their apples to us. We go and pick the apples when they're ripe. Most of the picking takes place in September and October, but can go on November and indeed December. Oh, wow, um, OK. So they uh, stay up. Well, quite... some apples, a lot depends on the weather. 
and the variety of apples. But there are some trees that hang on to their apples right into the winter. Mostly by the time we've reached December, I'm getting a bit fed up of apple picking, so we tend to stop. That's my cat, by the way. That's Oscar. If we're going to produce juice where people are going to be drinking the raw juice rather than pasteurised, I much prefer using picked apples if possible. Windfalls have a a limited lifespan because when they fall off the tree, they often hit the ground quite hard, they get bruised, and there's sugar released by the bruising process that means these spoilage organisms can grow faster. So windfalls have to be processed quickly. They have to be looked at more carefully. We can't really keep them. Light bruising, a little bit of insect damage, this sort of thing isn't a problem for making pasteurised juice. But Anything that's got rot, we rigorously exclude. We try and have roughly 50% cooking apples, 50% eating apples. It gets more difficult as the season progresses because we start running out of suitable eating apples. I'm sort of experimenting to see whether if we keep cooking apples for longer, the juice is meant to get sweeter on storage and it might be possible that we could use stored cooking apples to make juice at a later stage. Mm. Yeah. Fantastic. I drink apple juice anyway, but I buy it in standard sort of things from the co-op. Um, but when it's apple juice season here, it's fantastic. And it's, um, yeah, I wish we could have a supply all year round. So the exciting part Mm -hmm. starts after picking and washing. Yeah, so once that's done, we put the apples through what's called an apple mill, sometimes called a scratter. It's a glorified garden shredder, actually. Secure. It's absolutely secure, yes. It's a little more good looking. (laughs) There's a big funnel, this big yellow funnel that we put the apples down. And it makes a lot of noise. It makes a fair amount of noise and it reduces the apples to pulp. Uh, We catch the pulp coming out of the machine in a bright yellow trug. We are very colour coordinated Mm, here. I love that. Um, And the pulp is then put into the press. Now, the press is just a way of squeezing the pulp. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a drum-like container made of staves of oak wood. So the cloth bag is sitting ready in the press and we transfer the pulp into the cloth bag and we then close the press, screw down the screw thread. The kids love doing Kids that. love doing this, yes. One, it's sort of a big handle you can um, move around. You, they can walk around in a circle, although when I'm doing it for pasteurising, I've got various different tubes sticking out. So, so it's very important that you've got something to catch the juice. We use a stainless steel bucket. Ideally, you don't want to get more air into the juice than you have to, and hence it's good to do anything that reduces the amount of splashing. And you might think, "Mm, why is that important? Well, it's important because, well, you know that when you bite an apple, very quickly the flesh starts to go brown. And this browning process is actually a result of oxidation. There are enzymes in the juice that combine with oxygen and elements within the apple to make a brown compound. This process uh, doesn't alter the taste of the juice, but it can make the juice look a little bit um, unpalatable if it's sort of a dark brown colour. What would you say about taking apple juice? It's unique to the area. It's lovely. A hundred percent true. And so say my children. 
We add a very small amount of ascorbic acid. That has the advantage of reversing the oxidation because vitamin C, which occurs naturally mm -hmm. in fruit, is actually an antioxidant. It's mm -hmm. a reducing agent. So the browning is reversed. And when we heat the juice and pasteurize it, we actually inactivate the enzymes that oxidize the juice. So mm, yeah. it therefore remains and looks an, a, a more pleasant color. Having said that, it really doesn't alter the yeah. taste. The next process, the cold juice in the pouches is lowered into the heated boiler with water at 75 degrees. So this pasteurizing equipment, is that something that sort of is a standard equipment for? Uh, this isn't. Um, it's really just an ordinary water heater, like a tea urn almost. Mm -hmm. yeah? People have seen those. Um, uh, and hanging over the side of it is actually a sous vide temperature controller. Now, I don't know if anyone watches MasterChef, but these days most of MasterChef actually cook fish sealed in polythene bags. Oh, right, yes. And they do this in um, what is a glorified heated water bath, which is all this pasteurization equipment mm -hmm, is. Mm -hmm. uh, the advantage of the sous vide controller is that it has a little um, impeller pump that circulates the water around the pouches. And that means that the pouches are constantly in contact with the water that's heating them up. So, so is that it, something that you rigged up yourself? That is something I rigged up myself. That's very yes. clever. And then I put the Tayport Plant really nice Community Trust labels, which tell people the date it was made, yep. where the fruit came from. Um, the juice is pasteurised, will keep for six months at room temperature, once opened, refrigerate and consume within 14 days. It doesn't usually last that long in my no, no. experience. <laughs> really tasty. What did you think about it? It's, it's got a fantastic sort of real apple taste. Yeah, so it's a very deep taste. I think that's the word you use now. It's good. Right, so that's the process. Very exciting, very precise. Mm -hmm. I totally have no qualms about drinking it now. Good. Not that I had before. Uh, it's definitely safe and it's absolutely delicious. Now, I just wanted to maybe talk a little bit about the history of this whole enterprise and how it started. So I remember a few years back coming, to volunteering to pick some apples. Okay. This was before we had like a full-scale production. I think we were juicing them at Fruit Fest, which is our October that, that was, festival, yeah. which we used to borrow the uh, scrub. We used to hire the equipment. Um, every year and of course we only had it for that day mm. so in the earliest stages of the community garden we gained I think it was climate challenge funding mm -hmm. uh, to get the apple juicing equipment but let's go back further do you remember the deep and dark history of uh, how, how it came uh, about how well, the idea came about I don't know how the idea came about juicing was going on before I arrived here I started off by helping out but I can remember doing juicing actually at the harbour that sort of involvement got me into doing the uh, the fruit fest the, the equipment um, was less sophisticated in that the apple mill that we've got now 
processes whole apples. Mm -hmm. uh, in the past, we used to have a whole table and breadboards and knives in order to chop up apples so, so that we could put them through a hand-turned scratter that reduced them to pulp that could be pressed. I think some people were taking juice away with them with and the pasteurising it themselves or freezing it, yes, because it does freeze quite well. Uh, well, Just a brief taste note. Okay, so we love Tayport um, apple juice. We like it fresh and we also love it heated up with spices for a warming drink in the winter. Um, all our uh, friends love it as well. When we go to visit them now, they say, don't bring a bottle of wine, bring Tayport apple juice. That's how popular it is. So I, I should stress here that my wife is a very tolerant person because I take over the kitchen for almost an entire day and she keeps me fed and in cups of tea during the process. Otherwise, all this would not be possible. Well, any volunteers that turn up. We'll get roped in <laughs> to help. Yes, no, I, I, I do have volunteers who help and, and they're, they're great. It's quite a precise operation. It's, it's a precise operation. It's I good fun. See, I can see how your lab skills that you hone throughout your My scientific career. career help, although I did nothing on this... Scale because I think last year we processed about a ton and a half of apples and we made somewhere in the region of 1,000, I can say it precisely actually, 1,020 plus litres of apple juice. Wow. So how many gardens roughly does that come from? Um, I've got about 18 gardens that I've used this year. You can get a lot of apples off a, a big Bramley um, cooker mm. tree. Last year in one garden, there was um, an eater tree. This tree yielded 86 kilograms wow. of eating apples off the one tree. I can't imagine anybody eating through 83 kilograms of apples. No. Um, on the tree, so it's a fantastic way of saving the apples and reducing well, the waste. Isn't reducing it? the waste, and we waste nothing. Even the the apple pulp at the end of the process, after we've squeezed the juice out of it, it's called pumice, I think. Oh right. We actually compost that. At one stage, I was quite worried. I was thinking, well, what are we going to do with all this? Because from from a ton and a half of apples, you probably have. 800 kilos of spent pulp mm -hmm. for a moderate sized garden i found that most of what we did last year i you, composted you do here. and what i was amazed to find was that the the brambling worms the worms that that grow specifically in compost heaps absolutely love apple pulp 10 to 15 percent of the wet weight mm -hmm. of the active compost heap is brambling worms when I've used these apples. So that's a lot of waste prevented. Um, as you said, we were funded from Climate Challenge Fund, mm -hmm. and these guys try to get people to estimate carbon emission savings yes. from the projects, and obviously preventing waste like that would reduce carbon footprint. Yes. Do you know the <sighs> numbers there? Do you remember? I... To tell you the truth, I can't off the top of my head give you those numbers. Mm -hmm. I know they were significant, but I think anything that stops a tonne and a half of fruit just rotting where it falls in people's gardens has got to be a step in the right direction. It's part of why I'm enthusiastic about it. It's something that's quite fulfilling and um, you come away with a good feeling about it because you've made something useful, you can see it, and you've essentially done all that with what would otherwise have been a waste product. So it's, it's, um, it's good. Mm -hmm. I like the juice as well.
would you say about Teapot Apple Juice? Just one word, fantastic. If you would like to see how Teapot Apple Juice is made, you can watch a video on our website. I will put a link to it in the episode description. Since we recorded the interview, I had a quick look at our project reports from when we first started production of pasteurized juice in 2016 and 17. And it looks like over these two years, we stopped 2,000 kilograms or two tons of apples from rotting and going to waste, which saved almost three and a half tons in carbon emissions. That's about the same as an average annual carbon footprint of a person taking four return flights between Edinburgh and Barcelona, driving 12,000 miles in an average car, enough to take you from Tayport to London and back 12 and a half times. I'd say that's pretty impressive. Thank you for listening to the Plant Voices podcast. For more Tayport Community Garden stories and for information on how to get involved, visit our website on www.tayportgarden.org.